Welcome to the BNP Rome Podcast, Season 2. Once again, this is your host, Brian, and as always, thanks for joining me. So, here's how things turned out with my friend. All that happened was she got swept away by the magic of the muse. Yes, something that just about any of us who have spent time on a creative project or play in a sport can attest to. You get caught up in the flow state, and next thing you know, you flowed several hours downriver and... Oops, wasn't I supposed to chat with my friend? Oh no! So it goes, as the great Kurt Vonnegut was fond of writing, so it goes. Anyway, all is well with my friend, so to quote another chap who wrote a few good things in his time, all's well that ends well. And with that, folks, we've come to the end of this show. Until next time, thanks for listening. Monday morning, August 2nd. 8.04 a.m. 2021. Boy, I did that in the wrong order, did I not? <laughs> well, I'm out here. I uh, wasn't planning to be out here today, but don't mind being out here. Uh, but I had scheduled a call with a friend from the U.S. at my 6 a.m. And she recommended it on my Saturday night. I responded Sunday morning, said, yep, sounds great. And didn't get an answer back from her confirming that yesterday. And then sent her a link last night for our chat. Woke up, realized the link was set for 6 p.m. So sent her a new link and then waited for about 90 minutes and she never came on. So I'm concerned right now. So my Consciousness right now is in a state of concern for this person, um, but I was kind of, yeah, wanting to do something, but I didn't really want to start work yet. I, you know, had planned to have a chat for a couple hours, so I was like, yeah, I was kind of in my room, and I'm laying there, and I'm like, I don't really want to get to work yet, although, however, having said that, during that 90-minute wait, I did come up with my idea and plan, not full plan, but uh, for my Friday night class, which was one of my two main tasks today, so I took advantage of the time, so, um, but yeah, I'm not ready to, I don't have a lot of work today to do, I have probably, I don't know, two hours worth of work that I have to get done, so it's a pretty open day, and uh, I'd hope to start this morning with a conversation. So I figured why not come out to my spot here near my house um, before it gets too hot and uh, do my chat. Now already I would say uh, it's kind of too hot because I was, you know, I would be sitting on my park bench, but as I was walking over here, I was like, man, it's the sun just happened to break through the clouds like halfway into the walk. And even before the sun had broke through the clouds, I was like, yeah, it's pretty warm out. Um, but then when, once the sun broke through, it was like, yeah, I'm not sitting on that bench, so I'm on my, in my, this kind of weird, I don't even know how to describe what I'm sitting on. There's a, there's a path, a concrete path here, and a little white fence above the river, and there's a road behind me, and then right across from me, I'm looking at a reasonably busy bridge. I'm sitting on this kind of like tarp slope, very short little slope that leads up to another strip of concrete. And uh, yeah, it's not the quietest place. There's also the tree behind me that I love these trees, but they're full of the cicada right now. So, but near my house, this is one of the best shaded places to sit down at and have a chat without going too far. I thought about biking over to the Gumonomori, but I actually do want to go back home and watch some baseball and get some work done. Uh, the Red Sox are playing the Rays here, and it's starting, well, in one minute. So figured I'd talk for 30 minutes or so and then get back and watch most of the game and hang out. But, um, yeah, the energy in my house, well, I shouldn't say in my house. I should say my wife's energy was not good this morning at all. Which, you know, that's not all that uncommon, at least toward me. Her energy was not good. She seemed fine with my daughter. I don't know what she said anything to my son. Didn't hear anything about that, but 
she was bickering about me forgetting to... She does this thing, and this is a thing, you know, I learned this 15, 20 years ago, like where she says, you always do something. And it's like, well, no, I don't always do it. I might be forgetting more than I should, but I'm reasonably sure that I... Like, the, the thing that she said this morning was, you know, do you, are you are you dumping the, the garbage, like the sink the food garbage that goes into our sink in this little basket. And I'm like, I, I think so. And she's like, no, no, lately you, you, you never do it. Especially on Monday. Okay, I'll try to do better. That's all I said. And then um, and then I was going to heat up some hot water to make some coffee, uh, which I, I'll talk about in a minute. I wasn't planning to drink, but um, I was going to heat up some hot water. And she's like, don't do that yet. I'm like, oh, okay, well, why not? She's like, because I'm, I'm cooking toast right now. And it might it might cause the electric electric breaker to go out and yeah that has happened like a few times in like the eight years we've lived in our house so it's like all right um and then i left the water heater in the sink and as i'm walking i said don't leave it here and so and then she just she goes into this thing where she like mumble complains and yeah so that energy wasn't good so i went and sat outside on my porch for a minute while i was waiting for the toaster to finish so I could heat up my hot water and there was a uh, cicada that I took a picture of and on the porch and then after taking a picture of the guy I poked at him and it moved a little bit and it made some noise so I was like, okay it is still alive probably dying I would assume I'm not sure but um anyway then I went inside washed the bath got my coffee and came out and here I am now the reason I wasn't gonna drink coffee is I'm doing uh, intermittent fasting right now uh, but and the idea of intermittent fasting is you don't eat like there's there are different types but the one I follow is uh, 16 hours basically you can drink water and some people make an exception for black coffee uh, and then eight hours you can eat basically what you want um, so that's what I'm doing right now but I realized that I'd been drinking kind of some uh, sports drink and I, I'll, I'll explain the reasoning behind it the reasoning is that you're not putting anything into your body so your body will not like get triggered into processing like the material you're putting in so if you just put water in um, and then that way your body will be effective at, um, for its energy, it will burn fat. And that's how you lose weight. And I did, I did this back in the spring of 2019 for about 10 weeks and lost 10 kilograms in that time. Oh, maybe it was a little bit more, but anyway, got down to where I wanted to be. And uh, so I'm doing it now for the month of August. I actually started on July 29th, I think. Um, but... Last night, yeah, yesterday was a busy, I went up, a good busy day, I rode my bike up, I, now yesterday I woke up and I didn't eat anything, and I, I was really good, I just had water, woke up, rode my bike about an hour, around 10 a.m., or 9 before, between 9 and 10, it's already warm out, um, and played park golf with my friends for three hours, and then rode my bike back home, and that took like... 90 minutes because I stopped for some drinks and uh, yeah of course while we were up there I had lunch so I did eat but point is when I got back home last, yesterday afternoon I was pretty tired and I had a, a decent little nap it was probably 30-45 minutes it wasn't that long uh, and then I had a meeting at 5 o'clock and then ate dinner and there was a group call that I was thinking of joining at 7 but I was like, no, I'm going to be chatting with my friend tomorrow, and I'm pretty tired. So I sent out a message to the guy, and I was like, yeah, I might join, but I'm kind of beat. We'll see. Anyway, I got done with my dinner around 7.30, 7.45, and I thought, you know, I just want to go up and just chill out, not have to be involved in the conversations. So I just watched some videos, and I actually turned off the light and just listened for a while. Then I realized, you know, I'm not. It was kind of still too warm, and I'm not, I'm not really that sleepy yet. Long story short, I ended up not going to sleep until around 11 um, and before like around 10 I was like man I'm 
feeling like I'm not really that sleepy and I kind of was craving. I thought, yeah, I know one way I know actually to get yourself sleepy is when I eat afterwards, I usually feel kind of some mellowness. So I was like, all right, I'll have a bowl of granola and watch the Major League Wiffle Ball Homer and Derby. And that's what I did. Well, these ducks are swimming here out in the river, flapping along the water, splashing the water, probably cooling themselves off, I would imagine. Um, anyway, so I ate at 10 o'clock. So technically, 16 hours today, I wouldn't really be able to eat until 4 p.m. So as a result of all this, this is a long way of me saying that just today I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm kind of going to, like I won't eat, eat anything until at least, you know, around lunch, 12, 1 o'clock. Um, but, and uh, you know, I'm going to do the same thing I have been doing lately, which is two meals instead of three. So, but the coffee, the coffee I drink, it's a powdered <clears throat> instant coffee, um, but it's not black. It's like a latte. So I'm not, my body is not doing the full on fasting is the point I'm getting at. That's a long winded way of saying that, but. I was going to go into the call, so I, you know, I done, I do my little uh, morning breathing and meditation, and lately, since I started the Sense Making 101 group, they they have us do a, like the meditation that I'm doing has breathing, meditation, and then journaling, and the journaling's like, you know, between 5 and 15 minutes, so I was like, okay, I got to get on my call, so 7 minutes, set it for 7 minutes today. And as I was journaling, I was writing, well, I know as an extrovert from learning about MBTI that I gain energy from, um, especially from deep, good conversations with others. Like, I really get a buzz out of that. So I was like, all right, I don't need coffee because I'm going to be talking to my friends soon. And this is a person who we've chatted twice and both times we talked. First time was like three hours, second time was like four hours, and we have a lot in common. And yeah, I got a good buzz off chatting with her. So. I was like, yeah, I'll be, so I don't need coffee. Um, but then the call didn't happen. And I was kind of like finding myself laying down again. And I'm like, yeah, I'm still, you know, I, I woke up, I went to bed, like I said, at 11 and I woke up at four. And now there's one more thing I need to add to this. So I'm also quitting the, uh, the nootropic that is called Fenibit. And I stopped taking it. I haven't taken it for two days now, Saturday, Sunday. And so I think in, in Fanabit, what it does, it's kind of a reduces social anxiety. And it can kind of, you know, if you take a decent amount of it, it can kind of get you a little bit sleepy or whatever. So anyway, my body's adjusting to that too. So I think that probably impacted my, both, you know, my, my sleep. So I, I'm doing a lot here and it's, uh, yeah, it's impacting, changing my, my, my internal system. So point is, I was laying down again and I was like, man, I'm kind of, I could feel myself like, yeah, I could actually go back to sleep. But problem this time of year is it, it just starts getting warm and it's just not really like go back to sleep weather. It's not winter, you know, where you can get all cozy under your blankets. And I, I do want to get stuff done. And like I said, I want to watch this baseball game. So I was like, you know, I would prefer to make this a productive morning and get all my work done before lunch and then have my lunch and then do my usual thing, which is after lunch, I'll take a little rest and then go out and do some exercise after that. Like I, that's the pattern, the, the schedule I want to stick to today. Long story short, I thought, well, I'm kind of dragging a little bit. All right, let's go out and walk. That'll get me going a little bit and uh, I'll drink some coffee. So that's what I'm doing. I'm drinking some coffee. So that's just me kind of explaining some of how I go through kind of figuring out, you know, how to care for myself. So, you know, right now, excuse me, drink a coffee there. Right now, I'm in a process of detox and cleaning up. And this is going to be in kind of all aspects of my life. Uh, I've just talked to you about the kind of body cleanup. Um, but uh, before, well... I'll, I'll set the stage. I'm also going to be doing cleanup in my room, cleanup of my papers, cleanup on my computer files, um, kind of just organizing things. And then also the last thing 
part three is cleaning up the information that I intake, um, not taking in so much information, being more discerning about what I pay attention to. Um, but I was going to say one of the interesting things that I found with uh, intermittent fasting is that actually it does lead to more clarity of mind when I'm during during the fast. And I've heard, and I, I a couple years ago, like I said, when I did this, the first time I read some about it and how to do it and some theories about it, and some of the things that I read that kind of people reported consistently was this kind of clarity of mind and the the theory behind it is that your body is focusing on, like, it's kind of using its mental, like, there's kind of a more conscious thing your body is doing to, you know, process, to use its own, the fat in your body to get your energy, and so your mind is kind of like, when you eat a lot, or just a little bit, when you eat, like, your mind is kind of allowed to sort of like wander and, you know, it's kind of more like soothed into this kind of soporific, sopor, soporific, soporific, not sure how you say that. I can spell it, but it makes no sense to be soporific. S-O-P-O-R-I-F-I-C, I believe. Um, here, let's pause this real quick and we'll have a, here, I'll, actually, I'm going to just see if I can do it here. Uh, this has a voice, doesn't it? Dictionary app here. I think it does. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, soap. No, I didn't spell it right. Oh, oh no, yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. S O P O R I F I C. Here we go. Let's see. Soporific. Soporific. Huh? Soporific. Soporific. So it's so weird. Like English is so odd. As an English teacher, this is one of the things that's hard to um, teach. It's spelled S-O-P-O-R-I-F-I-C, as I said. So in Japanese, like the vowels here, A-E-U-A-O, like that. The pronunciation for a word that is ah, like Takasaki, is always ah. It never changes. But in English, you'll have a, a word here where you've got two O's, S-O-P-O, but it's sa-po, right? Saporific, right? Let's do that again. Saporific. Right? Saporific. Yeah. And so it's really hard to, you know, for Japanese learners, and I think for anybody learning English, even for native speakers learning it, like, uh, you just heard me. I was like, how do you pronounce that word? Um, so, challenge, folks. Something that causes sleep as a medicine or drug. Causing or So, yeah. I, um, when you eat, your, your food kind of allows you your body to feel a little bit drowsy. Um, and so I think that makes your mind a little bit lazy in a way. And therefore... Um, less clear, a little more muddled. And I mean, I've, I've, maybe this isn't the case for you, but I've literally experienced this when I, I've noticed it. Like, ever since I did intermittent fasting, I've become more aware of, like, how eating impacts my mind and my thinking, and how not eating does. So, anyway, over the past four or five days, as I've started up with intermittent fasting, and I'm like, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right, I like this. I like this feeling. Um, and like yesterday when I played park golf with my friend, I was telling him, oh yeah, I haven't eaten today. He's like, he's like, man, if I did that, I'd be like, I'd have a headache and I'd want to kill people. And I was like, okay. And I've heard a lot of people say that, right? And so I was like, oh, have you ever done it before? And he's like, well, I've gone periods where I didn't have anything to eat. And that made me reflect on like, well, there might be a difference between consciously choosing not to eat and being in a situation where you want to eat, but you have no food. I think there is a difference. I mean, there's clearly a difference to me as far as like, you're going in one, in the, in the former case, consciously choosing not to eat, you're accepting it. You're making a choice. You're going into it with a positive attitude. Like, all right, cool. I'm not going to eat. And there's no resistance, right? So, but on the other hand, like if you're like, I want to eat, but there's no food, then there's tension right there in that. So, 
getting a headache and then wanting to kill people. <laughs> I think he's exaggerating, but you know, metaphorically wanting to kill people. Um, maybe he isn't. He is kind of a psychopath. <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. But yeah, um, so, and the other thing I'll just say about, yeah, so I've just brought up headaches. I've noticed since I stopped taking the Fenibit that the headaches that I've been kind of experiencing, well, here's, okay, I'll, I should finish the sentence. The headaches that I have been experiencing have been diminishing. Um, see how I do that? I, I, I get excited. I'll have the next thought before I even finish a sentence, and then I'll be like, and you can, I notice this when I'm writing. I'll be writing, and then all of a sudden I'll put, like, I want to put a parenthesis in the middle of a sentence and another parenthesis. And that's a very uh, ENFP uh, personality type, I think, tendency. So I'm trying to correct that a little bit because I know it doesn't communicate to a lot of people. And that's when the editing process comes in. But when I'm doing a Riverside Rambler, as I'm doing now, I've got to be a little bit more cognizant of that so there you go folks working this out as we go along um but now i forgot what i was going to say see that's the problem <laughs> i had a print uh, a very good parenthetical uh, but then i went meta and now i forgot the parenthetical huh. and there goes another duck i think it's a duck i've taken off my glasses it's another interesting thing i've noticed and this ties in i think to this whole topic which is like, now when my glasses are off, I can't see as clearly far away, but close up I can see much more clearly because um, my glasses correct for yeah my far away vision. But then, um, and I guess this is what happens as you get older, which I learned last summer uh, when I got these new glasses. I was like, dude, like I can't reach it now. And then I went back to the optometrist and he's like, well, that's just because you're getting older. So you can get bifocals, but they're a lot more expensive. I'm like, oh, I'm poor right now. So never mind. Um, but lately I kind of find I enjoy just like not, you know, like I don't mind having to be blurry far away and, you know, being able to see close up. But as a result right now, I called that thing a duck, but for all I know, it could have been a giraffe. <laughs> <laughs> What's that fucking dinosaur bird called? Teractodale? Jesus Christ. Now, now that one I can't spell. It's like P-T-E-R-C-Y-T. -E I mean, it's like the worst spelling, worst thing ever to try to spell. So, Anyway, I don't think it was that bird. But could have been a... Uh, I'm pretty sure it was a duck. I'm going to say that we have cranes around here, but um, it wasn't a crane. It was, it was brown and it was duck-shaped, so I'm going to stick with duck. Um, it's not a duck-billed platypus, I will tell you that. <laughs> uh, they don't fly, do they? I'm pretty sure they don't fly, so that's how I can rule that out. Um, what else was I going to say, though? I, ha I, I wish I could get back to that parenthetical, parenthetical, pronunciation, pronunciation. Yeah, so there is another word, like pronounce, verb. The verb is pronounce. The, na the noun is pronunciation. Like, what? Why is it pronounced? And I remember my brother, like, this is a word that my brother, being kind of, like, pedantic about stuff, used to, like, get on my case about, like, it's pronunciation. It's like, okay, comic book store owner <laughs> from The Simpsons. Uh, I mean, he was right, and so I guess he taught me, so it worked, but... <laughs> yeah, anyway, older brothers, what could he do? That river water is looking appealing. Um, but yeah, the other thing that happened yesterday, I didn't mention this, but on at the uh, golf course, there's a hot springs there with uh, the onsen, as they call it in Japanese, and they have a cold bath there. And so I always, in the summertime, I started this two years ago, after playing around, I'd take a cold bath, and that really, uh, and while I'm in the cold bath, I usually like close my eyes and not sleep, but, you know, kind of chill out for 10 minutes in there. And uh, I did that. And unfortunately, the onsen is now closed until September. So that sucks. Anyway, um, there's somebody on a bike behind me. Not sure. Hello. I'm doing something right now. Hello. 
hello. Okay, folks, I'm sitting outside in my house doing some gardening and listening back to the first half of this talk that you just heard. And I remember the parenthetical. Parenthetical. Still haven't looked that one up. Well, maybe we'll try to listen to that when we get done. But before I get distracted, here's what it was. So the headaches. Um, last week, or last weekend, so about nine days ago now, without really even knowing I was doing it, I didn't drink coffee for a couple days. And I, I was a little headachey over that weekend, but I was also still taking the Fenibit. Um, so I was taking some of the uh, painkillers that I take, over-the-counter painkillers, some Excedrin that I bought here in Japan. Um, but then during last week, I kind of stopped drinking coffee throughout the week, except for a couple days. And here comes my daughter, so I got to stop talking. <laughs> I believe there are gods. Some of these gods are benevolent. Some of them are malevolent. Some of them are just gods of chaos. Some of them are gods of control. And there's a god of coffee. And that god wants us all to enjoy his coffee, drink it, even become addicted to it, just as long as we're drinking coffee. And that god, twice, has already tried to stop me from telling you about the benefits of giving up coffee. First, by my own brain's workings, my own parenthetical wanderings and forgettings. Second, by an old man that interrupted us. And so I guess there's actually three times. And then third, by an 11-year-old girl, my daughter. And so now I'm wondering, is this car going to turn in here? No, he's not. Thank goodness. <laughs> if that guy pulled in right now and started talking to me, I would have been convinced of this story that I'm weaving. But regardless, um, yeah. I uh, gave up coffee, unco you know, unintentionally. Just didn't drink it for a few days because it's warm. And like I said, I had some kind of headaches and stuff, but I don't know if that was related to still using that Fenibit. And then last week I was still using the Fenibit, but I, you know, and I was kind of having headaches. So I was taking the Fenibit along with some painkillers now and then. Um, but basically I was just kind of like, I don't really need to be drinking coffee. And then as I realized I wanted to do my intermittent fasting, it's all kind of working together. So, however, on Friday morning, I had to wake up for the Sense Making 101 week four uh, call, and the guest on, John Verveke, is someone who I've tried to delve into and listen to, but he he's a cognitive psychologist out of uh, Toronto, uh, friends with Jordan Peterson, um, but I can actually understand Jordan a lot better than John Verveke. Like, John has kind of an academic language and kind of a lot of his own uh, terminology. And it's just hard. It's really hard to connect with him for me. So, anyway, I woke up Friday morning at 3.40 and the alarm went off. And I was like, man, I am dragging. And just in general, the way I've done these rebel wisdom calls is I'll, especially when it was winter, I would go down, heat up some hot water, have my instant coffee as I listened. Um, so I was like, yeah, I'm definitely going to do that today. And then after the call was done, I did my usual meditation and all that, and then I had uh, tests to correct, and I found that I was really focused, and it was working. I was able to get a lot more done than I thought, and it was easy, and I was kind of enjoying it. And it reminded me of a chat I'd had a few days ago, or a few days before that, um, with some other friends who are Rebel Wisdom community members. And one of them was talking about how coffee is uh, something that the uh, Moors, the, the Muslim hordes, <laughs> hordes, uh, the Muslim empire that came into the southern part of Spain, and that's where he lives right now. So uh, one of the reasons they believed that they were so successful was that they were using coffee. 
And then he was also talking about how he uses coffee to help him do his job of working with numbers. Point is, is I think used um, appropriately, it's very uh, useful. And I'm remembering also there's a series of books that I read by the author, blogger, podcaster, James Howard Kunstler called The World Made by Hand series. And the books are set in the near future, maybe 2030s, not really, doesn't really ever say, but civilization is kind of collapsed in a sense, and so the world is a world made by hand. And I remember one of the characters, one of the main characters, like, lamenting not having coffee. And, like, occasionally there will be, like, a character that will enter into the scene, like a rich person or something, and there will be some coffee around, and it's, like, such a, a luxury for them. But... You know, what we do in our culture is we just kind of like, I need my coffee, I need my coffee, and it becomes habit and addiction, really. Um, so, my, uh, what I'm trying to do right now is what I'm realizing, and kind of the theme of this first half of this chat, is I'm trying to become more conscious of, you know, what I put into my body and why. And not do it just out of habit, not do it just because, well, it's 4 a.m. time for coffee, it's 6.30 a.m. time for breakfast. Like, I don't need to do that. I'd rather go by what my body is asking, what my schedule, you know, is demanding. And when I did that, like I said, when I drank the coffee that Friday after not having it for several days, it worked quite well. And also it worked well this morning to get me out there. I think my conversation was pretty lucid. And um, yeah, so, but I don't want to make it a, I have to have it every day. And, um, you know, because I think it is an addictive substance. And I'd say probably, I don't know if I would say the vast majority, but probably the majority of people in the modern uh, civilization are addicted to coffee. So. Anyway, that was the parenthetical, parenthetical, and now we are going to close this by looking up or listening to the term parenthetical on the same dictionary app that I used before. Also got to be careful of this caterpillar that's nearby me here. Parenthetical. Here we go. Is ready? Parenthetical. Here we go. Parenthetical. I'm saying it correctly, folks. Parenthetical. Although he has more of a... Listen. Parenthetical. Parenthetical. Of pertaining to, noting, or of the nature of a parenthesis. Several unnecessary parenthetical remarks. <laughs> uh, that could be like a, that could be the name of my new podcast. <laughs> uh, Quantum Rambler. Several unnecessary parenthetical remarks. All right. On that note... Um, yeah, you're going to hear the next part of the podcast, which I obviously will record it earlier today before uh, oh, I was interrupted by the old man, which you really couldn't hear that well, or could you? Uh, but yeah, you'll hear me talking about that. And then you're going to hear me chatting about uh, the rebelism investigation into uh, Brett Weinstein, the Dark Horse podcast, and the ivermectin issue. And um, So that's kind of the latter half. So enjoy that. And uh, yeah, I'm glad you were able to, I'm glad I was able to finish off the parenthetical here almost 10 hours later. Okay, enjoy. Alright, so, yeah, an old man came up, probably heard him, and uh, I tried to politely extricate myself from the situation. Like, I tried to actually tell him, like, I'm, I pointed at my phone, I was like, you know, Isakashi, just like, I'm busy right now. But then he just kept talking, so I realized that I can't keep my talking into my phone while this guy is sitting there. So paused it and then chatted with him for a couple minutes and said, oh, it's 30 already. I got to go to my work. I wasn't really done talking, but maybe I am. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's fine. Yeah, there is kind of a, oh, it's fine. I was going to say a clueless Japanese man thing that sometimes I've run into here, but it's probably, oh, hi. 
as it probably happens in other places too, but you know, he's probably just looking for a little chat or whatever, sees the guy sitting there, so. And also, somebody talking into their phone, maybe, like in his world, it's like, yeah, I mean, it's interesting, because, you know, it is a phone, so maybe I'm having a phone call, you know, like, but, I don't know, it's weird how people sometimes don't pick up on social signals, and even when you directly communicate it, I'm like, maybe I didn't communicate it well enough, but, whatever, not the end of the world, uh, I'm trying to think of there, I know there was something else I wanted to talk about, but never did pick up on that parenthetical, parenthetical, <laughs> um, so maybe I'll just draw this to a close, oh, let's just talk real quick, Fish is back on tour, that's great news, and actually it's good news in the sense of, as I was talking about earlier, I want to clear up kind of information I'm taking in, and so rather than listening to some of the more crazy, I don't know, I, I listen to a lot of different, like, takes on what's going on right now, and I just listen, like, Brett Weinstein was talking yesterday about the situation and, you know, about his YouTube channel getting demonetized. And actually, yeah, I'm going to talk a little bit more because this is a good topic here because it connects to Rebel Wisdom in a video I watched this morning. But um, Brett was talking about how, you know, people can, you can just listen to him and not like, not as, just listen to a conversation. Not, not have to feel like, oh, Brett is saying it, so I'm going to do it. You know, because he was saying that YouTube took off his, ivermectin videos because they were like oh you're promoting medical misinformation and people are gonna hear this and go out and act on it now having said that a little pushback against brett because i myself wrote this article right after watching the brett uh or listening to brett with pierre corey his first of two of those two ivermectin videos and the article I wrote was, the ban on ivermectin is fucked. And last week, Medium sent me an email. This article I wrote and posted on in June, early June. And I posted it just to my, like, I didn't try to get it submitted to one of the Medium publications. I was just like, I want to rant, and I just need this to get out. And so I, uh, I posted it, right? And... That was June 3rd or 4th. Well, end of July, Medium's like, sorry, your post has been removed for medical misinformation or kind of violating our COVID-19 policies, whatever. When I first got the email, I was kind of mad. I was like, it was like two minutes of feeling kind of like, what the fuck, you know? But then I was like, then I was just like, all right, let me see what look into this. And I actually, I was going to post about it on my Facebook page. And I just was like, no, I don't really need to. Um... And I feel like this is some real growth in my part. And I do have to credit kind of the work I've been doing and like joining Rebel Wisdom, but in, in, in that kind of growth, kind of not reacting, just sort of watching my feeling about the situation and then, okay. Um, anyway, so I read back the article. Oh, at first I was mad. The, the first I was gonna post about it because I was mad because I went to, to the link and it was like, sorry, this has been removed. I was like, what the fuck? So I can't even get the article I wrote back because I wanted to read it and see what did I say? You know what I mean? Like if I want to protest this, I got to be able to read it. But then I was able to go to my own page and find it. Um, where, you know. And I was a little, I was like, oh, Brian, like what you did was you weren't, because I was hoping I was talking about the ban on the discussion is fucked. But instead... I kind of bought too much into what Brett was saying and Pierre Corey was saying because I was like, this ivermectin has been proven effective in all this, right? So I basically, you know, gave my authority and my wisdom over to these people who, you know, Brett, I do generally, I have a good sense that he's acting in good faith and that he's doing his best. But I think this is, I mean, I think the rebelism has been for like the past six weeks or so, five or uh, probably a month, have been doing some 
focusing a lot of their attention on Brett and kind of the ivermectin story because they're con the Brett Weinstein and the what's called the intellectual dark web is connected to rebelism and um, so yeah so I, I probably like it, it, in, all, in all honesty you know maybe it was medical misinformation for me to say it's proven effective and whatever and so I don't really have a huge problem with them taking my post off or you know it's like all right uh, but now I'm thinking about writing a kind of follow-up article about what happened which will be <laughs> and I thought I might humorously title it the ban on talking about ivermectin is fucked <laughs> but you know it's kind of overstating it because there's not really a ban on talking about it and this is what David Fuller on rebel wisdom has been chatting about now I found another shaded spot here I'm gonna sit here for a little bit because I don't. I'm, I got more to say. I'm gonna be home soon. Um, yeah, I'll just sit here on the concrete. It's not the greatest spot, but hopefully that guy won't come biking here. I thought you should do harder job. <laughs> I do, dude. It's this. <laughs> uh, I'm talking into my phone here, recording a podcast. Hey, motherfucker. <laughs> Are you a cocksucker? <laughs> Uh, as George Carlin said, a cocksucker shouldn't be a bad word. A cocksucker is a good woman. But, you know, when you say it about an old man, probably. Anyway, never mind. Never mind. Please censor me. No, um, yeah, in general, like, I'm way, you know, I'm far in the camp of, like, freedom of speech, but David Fuller has been speaking about the uh, discerning censorship versus curation. And as he was saying, like, you know, Brett Weinstein isn't going to have just anybody onto his podcast. That's curation. But some would say, well, that's censorship. You're not letting this person on. Well, you know, you have to decide as the host of a podcast or as the editor of a newspaper, you've only got so much time or in the case of a newspaper, so much room, you know, um, and people only have so much attention, so you've got to discern what is worth putting my attention to. And that's what I'm, since making one-on-one -on -one course and I'm working, uh, that I'm involved in, like to me, I think that's really what I'm trying to get out of it is like how I can more quickly determine that discernment. You know, because I think I know I've been too kind of like open-minded about like, well, this guy looks interesting and he's got a big channel. Let's watch him for, and then I'll waste like a day watching some dude that, you know, presents some really interesting information but it's like well what if this is this guy's like information is all bullshit but i don't know because he's presenting what's new to my ears or whatever or or a perspective on things that i'm like well that's interesting you know so um but if it turns out that if i were to do like my friend tony does where i would go and fact check a lot of the things they said and then it's like well this isn't true this isn't true so have i wasted my time and polluted my internal environment by doing that and then I could have used my time listening to someone who's given me actual better information. So that's kind of the process I'm in right now. And it's making me a little bit more open to the need for quote unquote censorship. And that's why I'm not, you know, like I, when I look back at what, you know, what Medium did with my article, I'm kind of like, yeah, I was too strident in saying stuff that I don't have any, you know, I don't know if ivermectin's effective or it's been proven effective. Like, I, I'm pretty sure now after looking into the story more, and, you know, Rebelism's helped me with some of this, but some other stuff I've looked into, it's like, yeah, clearly we need more studies. Now, having said that, this morning I watched, um, now this is just for the community members of Rebelism. So it's not a video that you can get online, like you have to join their community. And I'm not going to reveal, like, you know, too much that, you know, I'm not talking out of turn or, you know, but, like, it was an hour and 15 minutes. Now, this is a call they held last week, and it was, like, 2 a.m. my time. I, I really wanted to go, but I'm like, well, that's, there's, like, a period of time between midnight and 4 a.m. where I'm like, I can't go. I remember trying about a month and a half ago. They had another call on a topic I was interested in. It started at midnight. And I got like 10 minutes in and I just passed out because guys, for me, like going to bed last night at 11, that's late for me. Like my general bedtime is between nine and 10. So yeah, 
anyway, um, like I generally go to bed between 9 and 10, probably get to sleep by 10, 10.30, and then I wake up, you know, 3.30 to 4.30. So I get, you know, I generally sleep five and a half, six hours a night around that, but I'm um, go to bed early, get up early. So yeah, anyway, 2 a.m., not going to happen. So I watched this this morning, and they put it up, you know, on for us to watch later, and I watched it, and it was good. I got a lot out of it. But the one thing that I don't think I heard, um, damn it, I lost my train of thought, but don't see, that's the problem. That's where writing as an ENFP is good because I can go back and look where I'm just talking out loud. If I lose that train of thought, yeah, mm. I know there's one thing I can say, but I'm, I'm sure that wasn't what I was going to say, but, um, Sermon, carry on, uh, no, no, censorship, no. Yeah, I lost it. Uh, well, I'll just say that, I mean, rebelism is good for me right now, because I'm coming from, I mean, if we're going to say like, which camp you're in, like pro-vax, anti-vax, or whatever, pro-COVID narrative, anti-COVID narrative, I'm in the anti, okay? So I'm going to just be honest about that. And one thing, you know, that's the starting place. And I think that's something my friend Tony kind of pointed out to me. He's like, you know, we should try to think about where we're starting from. Um, and so that's me being honest here and saying, hey, my starting place is like I'm skeptical of the COVID narrative. I'm skeptical of mainstream medicine. I'm skeptical of mainstream science. I'm skeptical of, you know, the kind of... What I, the big pharma, like what I see in the U.S. is this kind of like medicalization of everything, like a pharmaceutical solution to everything. Uh, I've been skeptical of that for 20 years, you know. So that's my starting place. And, but Rebel Wisdom, I sense, and I haven't heard David Fuller speak this yet, but just listening to him, I'm pretty sure I'm right about this, that his starting place is more, he's way more, he's definitely more accepting of the the pro and the, you know, not as skeptical as I am, not as cynical as I am about mainstream medicine and such. And so in that way, it's good because it's challenging for me. Like if he was kind of in the same camp as I am, then it wouldn't be as challenging. So I appreciate that. But I, I see what he's trying to do is, you know, he's trying to, give voice to both sides and trying to bring them together. And so, you know, I'm really enjoying the work that he's doing and in general, it's good. But on this call, I didn't hear him. Like, here's the thing I think we got to do. We look at our starting place and we should apply our skepticism to our starting place more than we put our skepticism toward the other side. Cause we're already there. We've already got that skepticism. So now it's like, all right, so in his case, I think, again, and I'm not 100% on this, but I, I would say his starting place, I think he needs a little more skepticism toward the vaccine narrative and, you know, the kind of mainstream scientific narrative, in a sense, and the mainstream medicine narrative. And again, I'm not saying he doesn't have any skepticism. He does have that skepticism, but it's not. I think he needs a little more because I didn't hear any of that in the call today, like, I heard, you know, because he's kind of investigating, like, the claims by people um, like Brett, who are kind of, like, vaccine, or, I mean, ivermectin is 100% effective. And, you know, I agree. Like, that. apparently that comes out of one study, and one of the guys at Brett's um, topic or video he did last week, where he had this woman, Tess Lowry, who is this metadata um, researcher, but you know, on ivermectin, and she was from the pro-ivermectin camp, and then he had two um, people from the anti-camp. And before you think to yourself, because I had this thought, before you think, well, that's not very fair, two anti and one pro, well, I think he was, from the start of the video, he said he was trying to get this guy Pierre Corey on, and Pierre didn't didn't want or didn't respond or whatever. So I think he wanted two of each, but he couldn't get another pro on, so... Um, and so as a result, he gave more time. I think he gave equal time. Like the, the pro person, Tess Lowry, he gave probably 50% of the time. And then the two antis were 25-25. So I think he did a pretty good job with that. Um, but 
the Tess, Tess Lowry, like, I, I did notice that she was kind of like, like, David asked her a question, like, well, what if, you know, what would you need to kind of prove that ivermectin doesn't, or, you know, or to make you more skeptical? And she's like, ivermectin works. And she said it in such a kind of strident way, it was like, hmm. And David was kind of pointing that out in the video, this private video, that, you know, that she seems a little bit religious in her outlook. And so, even though she's a metadata researcher, she's become kind of an advocate for it. Now, where I would say David hasn't really spoken to or investigated, but is the question of, you know, because David keeps saying, and all these, these skeptics keep saying, and I agree with them, we need more studies, but Brett has spoken to this a lot, is that the incentive to study a generic drug versus the incentive to study a brand new vaccine that the big pharma companies can make billions of dollars off, <laughs> the incentive for the former, the generic drug that's off-label and you know can't be made a huge profit off of, is much less. So to demand that we need more studies is like, yeah, great, but you have to consider the full context of how studies are funded, and, um, and studies cost money, right? So a company that wants to or you know a university that wants to study something like it costs money so big pharma is more than willing to put much money into studying these vaccines because they might get a big profit out of you know learning being able to get these vaccines in the market and then there also becomes kind of a motivation to poo-poo those that, you know, ivermectin, you know, by those that have, you know, promoting the vaccines, like, there's a motivation on their end to be like, well, you know, when people say, hey, you can just take this ivermectin as a prophylactic, you know, preventative medicine, and then you don't need the vaccines, well, those that want, you know, the profit from the vaccines, or that is, that goes, you know, they lose less chance to make a profit off it, right? And I know people will push back on that and say, well, you know, the vaccines are free and stuff. It's like, well, maybe they're in, you know, places like the U.S. or wherever and here in Japan. I don't even know how much I haven't gone to get one or whatever. But maybe they're for the citizen. You go in and you don't have to pay anything. But big farmers getting money from the government like they're they're still making money off this. So let's not act like they're not incentivized in that sense. No, I'm not going to say again, I don't want to argue that it's all bad faith that big pharma is strictly doing this for money. I don't believe that. Um, I think that that can be one of their motivations, but another motivation can be for um, them to get, you know, to solve the pandemic. So fine. Uh, but if that's the pure, if, the, if that motivation was purely what motivated it, then I would feel like big pharma and everybody and governments too. And like, this is something Brett has brought up also is like, why hasn't the U S government, seen some of these you know heard from some of these doctors like pierre Corey and heard from some of these studies from argentina and chile and india and wherever you know saying hey ivermectin looks pretty interesting let's look into it why hasn't the u.s government been like all right we're going to take some of this m trillions of dollars we're spending trying to solve covid and we're going to fund a mass study on ivermectin you know like and this is something where i feel like david maybe I, and tonight they're having a a call or tomorrow morning um my 4 a.m. about this topic and I'm thinking about trying to formulate a question for him on this but you know there is the before I knew about any of this stuff I think we all remember in the spring of 2020 there was this kind of like you know you could see Bill Gates on every fucking channel being like well until we get a vaccine until we get a vaccine until we get it you know it was like this message over and over again like there's only one solution to this vaccine, vaccine, vaccine. And it was like kind of pounded. And, and so it became a narrative, you know. Um, and at that time, so for from what I understand, in order to get an Emergency Authorization Act approval by the FDA, there has to be no um, possible alternative solutions. So that, again, creates kind of an incentive to be like to suppress looking into alternative solutions by those who want to push the vaccine, right? And so today, Brett made a comment how, like, 
this guy who Brett kept referring, not Brett, I'm sorry, um, David made a comment um, about there's this researcher who he described as independent. And he asked this woman, Tess Lauer, he's like, well, would you talk with him? And she said, well, no, like I, he's biased because the college he works for just got funding from the Gates Foundation. And David kind of laughed that off. And I thought, well, don't be so quick to laugh that off. You know, like to me, the Gates Foundation has been muddy in the waters and a lot of this stuff. Like they clearly have this kind of pro vaccine, you know, vaccine, not just pro vaccine, but vaccines are the only answer um, agenda and perspective, or you could just call it perspective. If you want to take some other kind of loaded language out of it. But so I think that there's not enough in my, in my from my my sense making there's not enough skepticism from david toward kind of how much that pro vaccine you know perspective and agenda and narrative is being pushed out there and how that might be suppressing you know these very studies that they're calling for is like well if we just have the studies we will be able to maybe trust the ivermectin thing like well great i agree with you but are those studies being you know like is there there's no like i already spoke to there's not much incentive for them but like are they even actively being suppressed um by those who want us to go the vaccine route so those are all questions I think we need to ask. And I think if someone, especially someone, like I said, who's kind of in the camp of, you know, if you have to pick, just make it into two camps, which I, I hate to do. But if you do, if you're in the camp of more pro-vaccine, I think you should probably be asking those questions, you know. And so I'd like to see David go in that direction a little bit. And apparently they said they're working on another story right now on vaccines. So I want to be patient with that, um, but I'll probably try to ask him tonight about this because I, I sense from the rebelism community, and this is again, this is part of me that was a little disappointed in that call, was that, and someone at the end of it was like kind of speaking up like they were happy about this, but to me it's like, I'm not real happy. There, there seems to be kind of a coalescing of viewpoint around David's perspective and I'm like no like you know he needs people that are gonna push him push back against him a little bit you know so okay I think that's a good way to end this and uh yeah I'm gonna head back now um I think that's I mean there's more I think I was gonna talk about but I think that's a good place and this has been 45 minutes so yeah I can put this out of the podcast sure why not okay yeah actually i'm gonna say a few more things as i walk back um but yeah you can cut off now this is more just me talking about my next few weeks or next week or two kind of plans but yeah if you want to cut out now that's kind of my main topic today so thanks for listening but um i'm gonna stand up and walk back try to avoid putting my hand in the miniature ant pile <laughs> ant hill ant turd actually like a turd in an anthill um anyway so yeah my my schedule here today this week is the last two classes i have for my main part-time job until the end of september and then actually my friday night job next week like this week i have it but then next week is also a day off because it's the obon Kind of usually around August. I'm not sure. Like it's usually like August 13th, 14th, 15th around there is Obon. So next Friday is, is it Friday the 13th? Might be. Um, anyway, 14th, 13th, anyway, around that time. So the point is, is that after this week, I'm kind of my my schedule's lightening up. So there might be. I hope there will be more opportunities for podcasts. Probably there will be. Uh, I record a lot of stuff, folks. And then, like, last week, I recorded what was, like, an hour and a half that I could have released. But then I just was like, yeah, I don't really feel like, I don't really feel like, but I was also busy. And it's just like, yeah, I'm not going to put that out. So, um, and, yeah, even like this, I started it. I wasn't sure. It's like, this is, this is a podcast. Or is this just me yakking into my phone? 
but I think there it was kind of interesting, and so I'll put it out. What the heck? Uh, now I'll give you something to do later today. Um, but yeah, that's the main thing that's coming up in my life. Uh, I got an interesting opportunity that may have come up for some other kind of work, working with some kind of for English school for some kids, but we'll see There's if that's going to pan out or not. There might be a scheduling conflict, um, but that would be good because I do would like to have some more money coming in, especially these next several weeks. Um, and I'm looking for more work. And also, like, the, that's the other thing I should talk about is just that, you know, I, I did for like a week and a half, I did back in November last year, I did a couple of this online teaching Chinese kids. And, and even teaching the two boys that I teach, um, private class, like teaching kids on the internet online is just not as... Like, I, I, adults are fine, but kids is just not, yeah. I'd rather be in person with kids, even though it takes more energy. Um, but it's just easier to be, like, you know, because kids, their attention, you can lose their attention, and then they, yeah, it's just not as good. So, because um, I've considered, and I probably still will, like, there's a couple other companies I could look into, and I could still keep working for that company, but I've just been, like, putting it off. And, like, obviously I don't have a real drive to do that. It's kind of more of a... All right, I really need to get some money, so I should sign up some openings. And I probably will for the company that I've already gone through the process of, you know, I'm a, I'm a certified teacher on their site, but some of these other companies, like there's another one that I've started the process with, and every week or two they're like, have you finished your demo video? I'm like, nope. <laughs> but I might do that, depending, because I do need to get some money coming in. Uh, but another thing I want to be doing these next few weeks is focusing in on my writing. I started this project on this story, my 2020 pandemic novel, as I call it, but it's kind of more just my 2020 novel. Uh, and I don't know if it's a novel yet, but it seems like it's, it could be a short novel. I don't want it to be too long. But it's been kind of on hold the past few weeks. I haven't written anything new. I've just been pondering it, although I came up with a good I think I know what to do next of it, and I'll probably be writing at least the next scene, hopefully this week. Um, my writing partner is getting impatient. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at with life in general and where things are headed and looking at my August. But yeah, my main focus is what I talked about at the start, which is kind of cleaning up, and that'll keep me busy. Um, but. And yeah, and I'm doing this Sense Making 101 course, which is through Rebel Wisdom. And it takes, like the, this week in particular, they said to us that this is like one of the more intensive weeks. And, you know, they had these, these workbooks of each exercise this week. The topic is wisdom. And the past workbook exercises were like four or two exercises, but this week there were four. And there were more videos and a lot more new language to learn. And... I still got two to do um, before the Wednesday meeting with my group, so I'm going to do one today and one tomorrow, so I'm on schedule with it, but that's taking time too, you know, it's kind of it's in a class, basically, so trying to, and again, I feel like that I'm already seeing benefits from that class in how I am kind of slowing down and not feeling a need to react and just sort of be more intellectually curious and just kind of like last week on my Facebook page, I asked the question like, if someone has already had COVID-19, should they still get vaccinated? And I never really, I mean, I, I told everybody like, I'm not going to weigh in. I just want people's honest reactions. And, you know, and then some people, of course, got into some, a few arguments or whatever, but I just, I didn't even, not only didn't I weigh in, but I didn't even like emoji respond to anything i just kind of read their answers and then about 12 hours later i wrote what i was doing that for and then i still never really weighed in i think there might have been like a few comments that i commented on later but for the most part i just let people talk because i just wanted to get feedback because um, i'm you know i'm curious like the justification for that and i still don't think like some people you know 
because of the friend group I have, it was probably like 60-40, no. Because uh, again, I am more in the anti-camp. <laughs> but I had a couple of people message me privately who were in the pro camp, and they were like, yeah, I don't want to get into it with some of your anti-friends. And I understand that, so I appreciated that. Um, but yeah, the people who gave me the... Like, I'm not convinced by either side, basically. <laughs> Um, but, you know, my instinct is more just that when you get sick with something, I do trust that your body has kind of a holistic response to it. And so to add on a vaccine, which is, you know, still an experimental, not approved uh, vaccine on top of it, I feel like it's going overboard and being, you know, like kind of showing a lack of trust in your body to some degree. So my instinct is like, no, you don't need to do that. Like you've got natural immunity. And that one of the reasons this is a question is that, you know, you've got countries around the world saying, you know, you're going to have to have these passports proven you got vaccinated and all this stuff just to go out to eat. Oh, wait, what if I already had it? And so then they're like, well, then you have to prove with a test and all this. It's just like, it seems like overboard to me. Anyway, I'm home. So that'll be that. Good way to end it. So thanks for listening and uh, we'll catch you next time. So here's how things turned out with my friend. All that happened was she got swept away by the magic of the muse. Yes, something that just about any of us who have spent time on a creative project or playing a sport can attest to. You get caught up in the flow state and next thing you know, you flowed several hours downriver and, oops, wasn't I supposed to chat with my friend? Oh no! So it goes, as the great Kurt Vonnegut was fond of writing, so it goes. Anyway, all is well with my friend, so to quote another chap who wrote a few good things in his time, all's well that ends well. And with that, folks, we've come to the end of this show. Until next time, thanks for listening.